Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, December 3rd, 2015, and we are reading from the big book. We are on page 10, the paragraph that begins, He Talked for Hours. Today's readers are Elise M. on the 12 Steps. Anita L. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Janice M., Rachel N. M., and Sharon H. The reference number for yesterday, Wednesday, December 2nd, 2015, is 8239. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Elise M. to read the 12 steps. Hi, my name is Elsie M. from Philadelphia. The 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you very much. Is it Elise or Elsie? I'm sorry. It's Elsie. Elsie, okay. Thank you for your service, Elsie. 
Sure. Um, and I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L., also from Philadelphia, recovered one day at a time. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. When you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 10, the paragraph beginning, He Talked for Hours. I will ask Janice M. to read three paragraphs and focus the sharing on the second and third paragraph. Thanks, Janice. Well, good morning to you, Kathy, and everyone online. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. 
He talked for hours. Childhood memories rose before me. I could almost hear the sound of the preacher's voice as I sat on still Sundays way over there in the hillside. There was that prophet temperance pledge I never signed, my grandfather's good-natured contempt of such of some search some church folk and their doings, his insistence that the spheres really had their music, but his denial of the preacher's right to tell him how he must listen, his fearlessness as he spoke of these things just before he died. These recollections welled up from the past. They made me swallow hard. The wartime day in old Winchester Cathedral came back again. I had always believed in a power greater than myself. I had often pondered these things. I was not an atheist. Few people really are, for that means blind faith in the strange proposition that this universe originated in a cipher and aimlessly rushes nowhere. My intellectual heroes, the chemists, the astronomers, even the evolutionists, suggested vast laws and forces at work. Despite contrary indications, I had little doubt that a mighty purpose and rhythm underlay all. How could there be so much of a precise and immutable in immutable law and no intelligence, I simply had to believe in a spirit of the universe who knew neither time nor limitation. But that was as far as I had gone. Well, here we see um, we see Bill. He's listening. He's struggling a little bit, you know, with this idea of this. Uh, um, religion that that Ebby said, but it was really spiritual. And he's thinking, he's, he's he's thinking back to his childhood, you know, and seeing something that you know his grandfather, you know, really had some spiritual. He didn't have religion, because he, he insisted that the spheres. Oh, I'm not supposed to even comment on that. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, let's go down to um, paragraph two. The wartime day in Old Winchester Cathedral came back. So now he's pondering. See, he's pondering of his experience, how, you know, he found, he, he, he couldn't name it, but he, he was moved on page two. He was moved by, you know, what, how he felt in the cathedral. And perhaps, you know, this was a glimpse, a glimpse of, a, of a great reality, whatever you want to call it. He felt comfort and a powerful presence. So now he says, I had always believed in a power greater than myself, and I'll comment, but that was as far as I had gone. So so he did have a power greater than himself, because he says he, was a, he wasn't an atheist. You know, he believed in some things. But you see, um, an atheist is defined as a person who denies the existence of God, where an agnostic is defined as a person who accepts the concept of God but denies his involvement in human affairs. And, yeah, he had a power greater than himself, but he didn't act like he had a power greater than himself. And I can identify with him here. I had a, a concept of a power greater than myself, but I acted like an atheist because I still was so self-sufficient 
And um, so, therefore, you know, he said here, too, um, despite contrary indications, I had little doubt that a mighty purpose and rhythm underlay all. So, you see, he's saying, mm, he's, he's tethering back and forth with this idea because he's between now steps one and two. Yet he sees, he sees proof before him. You know, there's nothing like proof before you, like I've seen in the, in the rooms, you know, and saying something, something, they have something that they put down the food, they put down their binge foods. So, you see, it's, it's all up to, to, to me that I was so self-sufficient. I knew of a God of my understanding, but I never asked him for help because I was still in the driver's seat. So he said, I simply had to believe in the spirit of the universe. You see, what I see here is, like I was, my, my, my mind was starting to open. I was starting to get different ideas. I was starting to change. And I see another change in Bill here when he said, my intellectual heroes, the chemists, the astronomers, because his heroes, if we remember in Bill's story, was money, business, success. So you see there's, you know, there's some awesome happening here with with Bill because he's starting to say, yeah, I'm hopeless, but 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 I still can't, I don't know the solution. See, he lacked the power. That was my problem. I lacked power. So that was the dilemma. Um, you know, I, had a, I have a spiritual malady. Um, yeah, put the food down, but the spiritual malady I didn't grow spiritually because I was so interested in the physical, uh, the physical and the emotional, you know. I couldn't grow. I had too many blocks. So this is how he's starting. He's, a, you, know, he, you know, you can have knowledge of a higher power or no knowledge, but if you act like you, you have the power, then, you know, that's not my solution. So that was my problem all my life. And uh, with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Who would like to share on the second two paragraphs that Janice read today? Barbara. Can I share? I heard Barbara and Bella. Melissa C. Melissa C. And I heard Larry. Larry K. And who else? Sarah. Sarah. Okay. I have Barbara, uh, Bella G, Melissa C, Larry K, Sarah W. Did I miss anyone? Renata. Raquel. Okay, Renata G, and who else? Raquel. Raquel. Let's stop there. Um, Barbara, please go ahead, and can you tell me your last name, first initial? I mean, thank you. This is Barbara B. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. And I can definitely relate to this movement of Bill as he comes to believe in a power greater than himself that could restore him to sanity because I, like him, uh, had a lot of head knowledge. I had theology one, theology two, three, four, philosophy, and I had it all in my head. He talks about intellectual heroes. Well, I did have all that but I nevertheless couldn't have a power that could restore me to sanity, that would stop me from going 
to food, which was an insanity to try to live my life. And it wasn't until I came to the program and people who were living a 12-step way of life uh, that I moved from, I moved, I say I was moved from my head into my heart. That was the big, amazing movement for me and continues to be that so that I don't go back to living in my head and figuring it out. I mean, granted, I'm not going to be uninformed, but that has to be tied in with the movements of my heart. So um, like Bill, uh, the coming to believe was a process. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Barbara B. Bella G., please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G., and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, such powerful paragraph. I had always believed in a power greater than myself. Yes, I always had a, the power of God, and I believed in that power. But I believed also in my power. And I didn't want to accept and admit it, but this is the way that I lived, that I was always in competition with the power of God. I, wo- I always wanted to prove to myself, to the whole entire world, and to God that my power is at least the same at the, that his power, maybe sometimes more and bigger and higher power, but at least we are the same. And I never put that power into my everyday life. The power of God was the power, you know, for the whole entire world to manage the world, the, you know, the, 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 the weather and uh, who will be born, how, when he will be born. But in my life, my personal life, I am in charge of that personal life. I am in charge of my life, and I manage my life, and I know how to manage, and I have a lot of knowledge, and I know how to manage my life. So, yes, I believed in a power greater than myself, but it was, you know, a philosophical power. It was never in my inside me. I never put that power into my everyday life. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I am not there anymore. And today I know that my power is that I can accept and admit that I am powerless. Yes, I am powerless because I am human, and this is the purpose that God wants me to be. And today, thank you, God, my power is to to be connected to a higher power and to accept and admit that, yes, I am limited and I want to be connected. I choose to be connected to a loving and accepting power. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. And Melissa C., please go ahead. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I when I read about his um, evolution of his coming to belief and, uh, you know, power greater than himself, I can, yeah, I can relate because, um, you know, I did um, 
I did believe that there was something. You know, it made sense to me with all the laws of science and the predictability of, of certain things in nature um, that there was some sort of great power. Um, and But that, for me, was kind of as far as it went because um, it was easy to think that there was something greater than me because I knew I was screwed. I couldn't even control how much I ate. So I knew I had no power. But the thought that there was something that could actually um, be of use to me and my problems and my life just kind of escaped me. I, I couldn't imagine, um, you know, that I felt very much abandoned by God, forgotten by God or cursed by God, um, and that my small life was unimportant. And I, for so long, I kept focusing on all the tragedies that happened to me um, and the rest of the world as as proof, as evidence, how could God possibly care about Melissa, you know, and her eating problem and her weight. Um, and, you know, but when I really um, fell and was completely powerless and I um, started realizing I have to change everything, you know, I, I began to listen to what people said um, and, and like, um, you know, and I heard people say that that reliance on a power greater than, than yourself was going to be essential. Like there was, there's no substitution for that. I could have the best food plan in the world, but if I'm not going to rely on something greater than myself or at least show just a leap of faith, I was never going to have, um, you know, any relief from this. And so, you know, my, mine was of an intellectual, a, a slow variety. You know, it happened slowly, and um, and I love that. You know, it didn't. I didn't have a God consciousness, and then was suddenly able to do the steps. It happened the exact opposite. I did the steps, and then I had an awakening. And uh, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And Larry K. Please go ahead. Hi, Kathy. Good morning. Larry Kay, Recovered uh, Compulsive Reader from Chicago. Thanks for your service. So, you know, like Bill, I, I had always believed uh, in a power greater than myself as well. Um, but, but like it says, that, that was as far as I had gone. Um, you know, for me, many of my heroes were, you know, some of the great thinkers and theorists of, of our past. Like I was intrigued by people like Freud, um, who, because he seemed to offer, you know, explanations of how the, you know, all the mechanisms of the mind worked. And, and to me, that was kind of magical because um, I always lived in my head. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of room for power outside of human power. Now, I mean, if you and I had, had spoken about a higher power during, you know, these decades, I, I would have spoken in respectful ways. You know, I certainly in a politically correct way about a higher power, you know, but I, I, looking back, I couldn't even see my own dishonesty about, you know, the consideration that there was truly a power outside of myself. Um, you know, would a loving God allow the abuse of a child? Would a, would a higher power allow tragic circumstances to occur? So to me, I mean, truly, you know, belief in God was for suckers. You know, that was for you people that, you know, you, you little minds, I mean, not important people like me. Well, how, how ridiculous 
you know, that was, but I, I didn't see that, you know, that level of dishonesty kept me stuck. And as long as I was to carry that level of, you know, dishonesty, intellectualizing everything and believing that, you know, we're, we as human beings are the beginning and the end, that if something is, you know, just do it. If something's going to happen, it's, it's because we're going to make it happen. Until I was able to surrender and to drop that, uh, that notion and just be open to the possibility that a power greater than myself um, was in charge, um, I would never recover. I would never recover. Now, you may, but I, I wouldn't, and I didn't. And, you know, conversely, when I, when I finally did, when there was a crack in my intellectual armor, you know, that's when God came flooding in. I mean, that's just a fact in my life. I couldn't prove that to you, not in any tangible way. But um, it's great to see this transition from uh, step one to step two. Didn't say that we had to believe it, just saying that we came to believe. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. <clears throat> Thanks, Larry Kay. And Sarah W., please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. This is Sarah W. Good to hear you on the line. Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, you know, the thought I had was, I, I just didn't feel like, um, well, like other people have said, you know, my history, uh, both regarding religion and my history in just how I've lived my life, um, you know, being that I was, um, the way I looked at it, I was abandoned at birth. And I really felt like how could, um, you know, why would that happen to me? Um, although my parents had told me I was so chosen, but I always thought, you know, where was God? You know, how could, you know, the love of a mother for a child, how could that happen? And I really struggled with it, I think, because of that, and also because the idea of um, what I had been shown as uh, God or religion really didn't offer me a personal relationship. Um, and so there I struggled so greatly. And, you know, the other issue is all about trust. You know, uh, the idea that I could trust anybody or anything was so foreign to me. So uh, I remember when I was a little girl, we were in, the, in a plane going to Bermuda, and I said to my dad, you know, where is God? We were looking out the window at clouds. And, um, you know, so I was thinking about it, but I think it was just so um, surrealistic for me. But I wanted to bring up the fact that this, the agnostic chapter helped me so greatly with this. And also um, on page 568, uh, you know, the whole page is so beautiful, but just the idea of what Herbert Spencer said, you know, there is a principle which is a bar against all information which is proof against all arguments and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. So like other people have stated, I think it's really all about being open to. And when I look back on my life, uh, you know, and I've had a, in many ways a very tragic life, uh, but today what I can say is I am so grateful for every moment that happened in my life and it brought me to this place. 
And I am so grateful. When I say I'm a grateful compulsive overeater, I truly mean it from my heart. It did bring me to a higher power. And I'm so grateful for that and for all of you. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah W. And Renata G., please go ahead. Press star one, Renata. Thank you, Kathy, for your service. Good morning, family. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. Um, I also want to talk uh, to the line that says, I had always believed in a power greater than myself, you know, the idea of being agnostic. And, um, you know, and also he says here that wartime in world in old Winchester Cathedral came back, and we're going to see that he mentions it again later in his story. And, um, you know, I, you know, I grew up with this idea that there was a God, that, you know, there is some kind of higher power, and I believe in that. And, uh, you know, yesterday I was reading, started reading the agnostics with a sponsee, and later in the evening, I was talking to a friend in programming and we were laughing about, you know, self-will, God's will, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, it it just, it it came so clear to me that I've always believed, right, that there was something in control of the world. And, but I, you know, uh, like others have shared, it was never personal to me. And I've always lived my life like there was no power, like if I was the power. And what occurred to me yesterday was that the biggest proof of that was that I ate compulsively because that was my way of solving my problems, not my heart power's way. Today, because I have worked the 12 steps in this big book, you know, and all the the clutter that was in between me and a higher power were removed, you know, then, you know, uh, I can be more sensitive and, you know, be more in tune with what is my higher power's will for me. And uh, because, you know, like Bill here, like he was blocked, you know, he was blocked and um, so he couldn't really uh, know. And so... What I know today is that, yes, I've always believed in a God, but I've always acted like God. And I was joking with my friend last night saying that, you know, my higher power is not going to fight me over something. You know, if I want to go ahead and be self-sufficient and take care of something and figure everything out, God is not going to fight with me. He's going to step back and, and watch. All right, Renata, you got it. Go for it. You know, but when I surrender and when I go to my higher power with everything, especially this disease, then, you know, he's always there. And, uh, you know, I used to go to God with things like when things were really bad, like an emergency or something, then I felt powerless and I would go to a higher power. But never with my, you know, daily life problems or my compulsive eating. No, that I got under my belt. And the result was, you know, getting deeper and deeper into compulsive eating. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Renata G. And Raquel from Israel, press star one to unmute. 
Hello. Hi. Can you hear me? I can. Go ahead, Raquel. Oh, thank you so much for this session, Kevin. Thank you so much, all my family there on the line. It couldn't have been a better, better orchestrated. I need this. I need this discussion right now. Um, to, so overwhelmed emotionally by by the conference and by visiting my daughter and all, you know, meeting all the family and then coming back here and another big family affair that I didn't go to because I felt that I was too overloaded. And now is the time to really do this um, this exercise. Um, I, I, it comes from AA, God bless AA and, and the founders and Joe and Charlie. I guess it's from them. It's the second step proposition, what we're dealing with here. And the practical thing of bringing, how to bring this belief in God, because, oh boy, I'm a Bible teacher. I could get you to believe in God if you talk to me and I teach you Bible. But about me, how is he involved in my life um, for a person who believes to have in dreams? It came so clear. I just had to set my timer. It came so clear to me um, because I used to have dreams that I'm driving a car, but I'm in the back seat, and my, my, my leg does not reach the pedals. You know, how much more revealing can it be? I am not running the show, but I want to. I'm trying to. So what does did AA do? And I believe Joe and Charlie, the second step proposition, God is either everything or nothing. What will be your choice? It boils down for <laughs> the practicality that Abby mentioned, the practical program, even more practical, to put this on, on a, a, a three-by-five recipe card front of three by five cards, back of three by five. What is, it's, it's a simple table. What areas of my life have I got, have I not given to or unwilling to give to God? Column two, why am I afraid to give it to God this area of my life? And column three, what God wants me to be if I give up that fear or that anger or whatever keeps me away, or that pride, or that ego in general from that keeps me from taking his help, from asking for his help and then being ready to take it. So this is what it all boils down to. Is it in an area of career, or health, or marriage, or finances, or hobby, or sex life, or spiritual life? And, and then there is such a beautiful list. Anybody wants to look it up and www.recoverydaily.com. Um, this, is, this really brings it down from the head to the heart, or maybe not even that, but shows you how you're really blocking God from being able to work. Like somebody said, and I believe it was Esther C., said, uh, you know, it's like ambulances are coming to rescue you from a heart attack, but there are huge boulders on the road that are not letting them reach you. And my boulders are like big, thick curtains between me and him because I believe that there are big, thick curtains between me and myself. And what That's helps is to just... 
Yes, I'll, I'll wrap up. I thank you all for being there, but anybody wants to look this up, how practically to bring God down from the head, the heart, and from the theory into the everyday life. Thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you, Raquel. Okay, who else would like to share? Reva P. Sharon H. Sharon H. Reva P. Who at the beginning? I'm sorry, you were all talking at once. Rachel W. Rachel W. Rachel Rachel W. Who else? Carol G. Carol G. Did I hear Sally there? No, okay. Who else? Sally. Oh, Sally. Okay, great. Um, Anyone else? Nancy. Okay, Nancy, and I didn't get your S. Okay, here's who I have right now. I have Rachel W., Sharon H., Reva P., Carol G., Sally A., and Nancy S. Let's see if we can... Get through these. Go ahead, Rachel W. Good morning, Kathy. Thank you so much for your service. This is Rachel W., Recover Compulsive Overeater, calling from New York. Um, you know, I'm not going to dwell on the previous paragraph, but just for context, the fact that, um, you know, Evie is coming to Bill and then, um, you know, being a messenger, and then, you know, Bill is catapulted back into his childhood to a memory with his grandfather. And then all of a sudden we have this whole, you know, um, experience that he's showing us, you know, with his, with his, how he got his higher power and it's the beginning. And, you know, to me, it, it's, it's, it's one thing is that it shows that um, someone else's, you know, whatever message I'm sending could, could certainly come through someone else uh, and not me, uh, meaning a person could get a message, but maybe not, not through me. It could be through somebody else. And the fact that, um, you know, Bill is, is considering a higher power of his own shows me uh, once again that this program is not about me relaying my concept of, of a God or higher power onto someone else, but this is the exact experience that anyone I come into contact with or, or sponsees or anyone that, you know, my, my goal is not to transform someone's spiritual life into what I think it should be, but rather to encourage, you know, others to find their own way and for me you know i i it was always uh i always believed in, in god it was never a question I, I grew up in a spiritual house not in a religious house but um you know god was talked about a lot but what, what happened in, in this program for me was that um i was given a new a new experience to to have that you know it's, it's actually a daily living experience where every day when i wake up i have a continuing renewal of a relationship with my higher power um, the understanding that, you know, I've only been here for 48 years, and before, before I got here, there was a whole lot going on that I don't understand, um, and I will probably never understand, and, you know, after I go, you know, it's going to still be going on without me. So, um, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's about understanding that uh, the appreciation that I'm, you know, that God has let me find my own way to him, that I have the free will to discern through through events and through situations, whether there is a God or not, you know, that, that to me is a richer experience than having, you know, uh, not ha- been given that choice. So um, thank you very much for letting me share. 
Thank you, Rachel W. And Sharon H., please go ahead. Oh, thank you, uh, Kathy. This is Sharon H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. Thank you, God. And um, I'm just going to read this little line here. I had always believed in a power greater than myself. I often pondered these things. I was not an atheist. And I, too, um, well, I grew up in a very organized religion that went back to grandparents, great-grandparents on both sides of the family. So it was really sort of the focus of our lives. And I looked up the word ponder, and it says to consider carefully, weigh in the mind. And as Ebby talked, and all of these old childhood memories began to surface within Bill, um, things came back to him that had had an impact on his heart and his mind as a, as a young child. And I can really identify with that. And they made me swallow hard. Um, and I have on the margin here, the only reason he was open was right up there at the top. I had to be. I was interested. Or I was hopeless. So then this begins the work of God in his heart and mind, the beginning of step two. He's coming to believe that there may be this power greater than himself that might be able to restore him from this horrible bondage of alcoholism. And um, I just love the way he puts these things uh, because that's exactly what happened to me when I started listening to this program. Uh, They were in the doctor's opinion, July 2012. And again, that power... uh, began to shine in my mind that had become darkened and a skeptic because I'd been in LA for many, many years and could not stay stopped. So it's just such a um, um, a gift and a privilege to go through this book over and over again, uh, three years now, going on three years, and to see things new each time we go through this line by line, paragraph by paragraph. So um, I just um, want to say to everyone out on the line, this is available to each and every one of us. And what a gift it is. But first, we must accept that we are totally and absolutely powerless over this seemingly state, seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And the 12 steps are what are able, by God's grace, to set us free from the bondage food addiction one day at a time. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kathy. Thank you, Sharon H. Uh, Reva P., please go ahead. Good morning. This is Reva P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Uh, For me, what I relate to here, as Bill is describing his process of coming to believe, Uh, First of all, the word God and seeing the word God in this book so many times sort of put up a wall um, between me and the program. So I like using the word higher power, and I'm glad that's the wording that they use in step two. So three things that struck me were, first of all, I had a lot of religious um, education. I knew a lot about religion, and I'm so grateful that this is not a religious program but a spiritual one. Because for me, my concept of God was all about good and bad. I was a good person or I was a bad person. And that fit very well 
with my um, eating um, evaluations. Like I was good today because of how I ate. I was bad today because of what I did with food. And God was always looking out whether I was good and bad. And just like Bill, you know, when I reached my point where I had to be interested in this program because I was hopeless and I was at my version of my um, step one, I had to reconsider or die. Like I I knew I had to do 12 steps. I was only on step one. Um, To get to step two, I had to reconsider. And I really, I grappled with it at the beginning. And thank you, God, there was somebody who um, suggested that if my concept of God or a higher power um, wasn't comfortable or wasn't working in my life, that I could fire that person thing and create a new one. And that was the beginning of my process to start with a clean slate that if I could have the bestest fairy godmother, higher power, whatever I want to call it, he, she, it, um, what would it be? And that was the beginning of opening the door for me. Uh, Secondly, this um, reading reminds me that there are two things I cannot give anybody in program. I can't give them willingness and I can't give them a concept of a higher power because Bill is pondering on his own. He's not taking Ebby's concept um, and that's something that we need to develop for ourselves. And the third thing that this um, reminds me is step two is very simple and I was recently at a step study where I heard people sharing on step two and um, I was almost shocked that there was at least one person who felt he couldn't go on with the rest of the steps because he hadn't developed this you know trusting relationship with God and he was still stuck at step two for quite a while step two was only a need for a power greater than myself, and it comes from being completely deflated and powerless and being at my step one, all I have to know is that I can't run the show anymore, that I need something else, an it, a he, she, whatever that is. Um, And that's all. And then the steps help me remove those blocks or rocks, as somebody beautifully put it, um, and then I have this conscious, you know, contact um, and personal relationship and daily, um, um, you know, talking to this higher power. And, and this all evolves over time. My concept doesn't stay the same. So um, just a need for God and to know that it's not me. And then let's move on kind of thing. Um, so that's what has worked for me. Thank you. Thank you, Reba. Thank you, Reva P. Uh, Carol G., please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm coming over loud and clear. Good morning, everybody on Vision View. It's Carol G., recovered gratefully. Recovered. Thank you, everybody. Wow, a great paragraph. Um, again, for me, this demonstrates the spirit against the spirit. Um, in the book, we're still in step one. And this is where people in my fellowship at home get up and walk out. When we start speaking about power greater than ourselves, we go, hmm, we get some kind of deafness. I know I did for quite a long time. Um, I didn't need to believe in God. Um, I have to see a need for a power. That was all I needed. I didn't have to believe in God. I only had to see just how powerless I was and the need for some power. And 
I was just thinking when we were reading this morning that the big book didn't actually make me believe in God. What it did was reconnect me with something that I was given to as a child that I didn't even realize I'd been given. It reconnected me with the spirit of the universe, if you like, the totality of things. And Because for me, God is everything and everything is God because energy equals MC squared. So God is everything and everything is God. And that's just something that I've always inherently believed but couldn't use that power to stop me from eating compulsively. I was blocked off from this thing. And I was just thinking when we were sharing this morning, I was looking at the distance between our head and our heart. When you just touch the top of your head and put your hand on your chest, it's not a very long distance, is it? But it's quite a journey. <laughs> it's been a real journey for me to get from my head to my heart because everything about me is about separation. My head was separated from my body because my body was terrible and it was not doing what I wanted it to do and it wasn't thin enough, etc., etc. And so I had to take this massive journey between head and heart and the steps rocketed me through that and I remember meeting my higher power in step five and going, wow, it really is there. <laughs> um, so as I say, everything about me is about separateness. So when I'm envious, I separate myself. When I'm selfish, dishonest, I separate myself. When I've got prejudice about anything that I'm listening to, I'm separating myself. And the disease loves to pick you off the herd. It loves to take you out. So when I feel love, I feel connection. When I feel love, I really feel that I'm connected to that source of power. I can feel it right now. Thank you, everybody, for being there. Pa. Thank you, Carol G. Uh, Sally A., please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Um, good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally A. in South Jersey. So as I'm listening to all these people and these uh, wonderful thoughts, uh, and, and I'm reading this page, I have to say that um, from the get-go this morning, I had this thought of um, you know, how strange it is that I just wanted to lose weight, for goodness sakes. You know, uh, what is all this? And... Um, you know, as I'm reading into this, these pages, because the second part of this chapter, from page 8 to 16, it's all about this man's quest to, um, to get unblocked. That's really what we're looking at here, is getting unblocked and uh, making this connection with the power that he recognizes that he lacks. And so when he says these words, I had always believed. And then at the bottom of the paragraph, when he says, I simply had to believe. God help me believe. I have to say, first of all, the word believe always, for me, always equated with the word trust. And I know that Sarah brought up trust. Um, and, and I want to just expound a little about that for one moment because this really is, for me, the heart of the matter. Because I didn't get it. For 30 years, I walked in a desert in OA and couldn't understand what are they talking about, really, when they talk about these steps? And I go to every meeting, and I hear them say, keep coming back at work when you work it and give a lot of love. And to me, that was what I was doing. I was hoping that somehow along the road of 30 years in OA, I would get brain flushed, and somehow I would change. I didn't know how this miracle would happen. Don't leave before the miracle. All these great statements that I would heard, and none of them made sense. And then three and a half years ago, Somebody said the word recovered, 
And I don't know why, but it was like God put a screwdriver in my head and turned a screw. Like, Sally, why are you here? And this is the interesting thing. I never realized that every time I was sad, mad, crying, happy, rejoicing, whatever my emotions were, I turned to food. That's what I trusted in. I, my best friend, my lover, because I slept with plates and forks and knives, was food. I did not trust God. I did not go to God. I, yeah, I, I relied on Sally, but Sally was never enough. So Sally turned to food because I learned along the way all my life that by going to the food, I could numb the pain, that I was not enough, that I did not have what it took to make it in this world, in this life. And so I just kept myself anesthetized so I didn't have to feel the inadequacy of who I was and what I did until I came here into this book, into these words here. And what are they telling you? What are, why are we here? Why are we reading this? I just want to lose 10 pounds, damn it. Why am I reading this? I'll tell you why we're reading this. Because the root of the matter is what's going on between your ears and turning to the food instead of giving God a chance instead of turning to a power greater than yourself. And that's why, we're, that's why we're talking about I simply had to believe. I didn't have a choice. What's in your wallet? That commercial always used to, I used to wonder, what are they talking about? What's in your wallet? What's in your wallet? They're talking about a credit card commercial. And what's in your wallet? What do you trust in? What credit card do you pull out when you need money and you don't have cash? What is in your wallet? What's in your head? What do you trust? That's why you're here. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. Thank you, Sally. And um, Nancy S., you'll be our last share today. Thank you. Hi, this is Nancy J. from Philadelphia. Good morning, everyone. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here on this line this morning. I'm a grateful, recovered, uh, compulsive reader from Philadelphia. And I just love this big book because it's such a spiritual book. And for a long, long time, I had a problem with God. And um, I grew up in a household where um, my mother picked churches where if you didn't feel worse coming out than when you went in, the minister hadn't done his job. I thought sometimes it's God's dirty Harry. Just make my day so I can go ahead and smite you. And it, when my mother stopped making me go to church at 12, I was one of the happiest people in God. I'd never set foot in a church again to worship. And in 1990, I was with some friends reading some spiritual literature, and it was talking about God and Jesus Christ, and I just shook with rage. And one of my friends said to me, you have to separate your mother from God, and I just cried. And I started to remember what I thought about God before people told me who God was. And I remember as a three-year-old loving God. And it was fortunate that I did kind of get in touch with God because I had two life-threatening illnesses in 1990 and 91. And through the grace of God, I came through those. And I remember it was about three years ago, before I entered program, I was uh, talking to someone about something, and I was talking about reincarnation. And someone overheard me and, and butted into the conversation and said to me, you know, I heard what you said about reincarnation. And he said, blah, 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 the Bible says. And I looked at him and said, you believe what you believe, and I'll believe what I believe. And it hit me that what I had experienced growing up was religious bullying these people who were imposing their beliefs on me. And I felt that that's who God was, and it wasn't. And it was in this program that I really got clear that God was that belief. As a three-year-old, I remember loving God. 
and I remember something just feeling all my life that something was watching over me. And I've been able to reconcile and know that God has been with me all my life watching out for me. When I had two life-threatening illnesses in 2013 and 2014, God was there for me. God, it was obvious that God has always been there for me. I just didn't always know it because it wasn't represented the way I had learned it. But now I know God is with me. And I know that we were just, uh, in a spiritual tradition that I uh, was in for a little while, I remember someone saying that, you know, I'm God's beloved in whom God is well pleased. And I just love that because that's the way I feel today. I'm God's beloved in whom God is well pleased. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy J. And thank you, everyone, who has shared today. It's now time to close the meeting. I hope you'll join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. If some of you didn't get to share, that would be a great idea. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Rachel and M, would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive good morning, only. Ka- yes, good morning, Kathy. Thank you for your service. This is Rachel and M. I'm a thankful, recovered, compulsive overeater and anorexic. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.